This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to mclanahanacademy.com, enroll today, and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 676. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Like my Facebook page and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook, the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. Always free to enroll. You always get the free class, 10 Myths of American History. And of course, you have great classes there. The newest one is Copperheads. If you're listening to this podcast between uh, July 27th and August 1st, the class is out. You've got a discount on it. If you're on my email list, you get that, or you can use the coupon code COPPERHEADS and get that class for $60 off. But it's only good through August 1st, 2022. But buying classes there is a great way to support the show. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, click on the little super thanks button under the video. You can support the program that way. You can also go to the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com, throw a few pennies my way there. Click on the shop tab, get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Share it around on social media. Let your friends know they should listen to this program. And also, send me those show requests. I do want to hear what you want to hear. I like to keep the show fresh. All right, so we're going to wrap up the week talking about Virginia again. We just did that yesterday. We've kind of had a war theme this week, so I'll just continue to go with that. If you haven't been paying attention to the news, there is an effort underway by Democrats in the Congress to take Lee's name, Robert E. Lee's name, off of Arlington House. Now, of all the silly things, I mean, we... We could argue about Confederate names on United States military installations. Would Confederates even have one of their names on these military installations is a question. But regardless, uh, the Republicans were behind that, right? Republicans were all in favor of taking Confederate names off. The reasoning, the justification for all of these things, of course, is that these people were traitors, this is treason, and no one, that was involved with the Confederacy should be recognized in any way by the United States government. Now, you know where you can find those arguments made? In the 1860s by the Republican Party. They were saying almost the exact same thing. And I, I said this yesterday. Look, what we're doing nowadays is we're running the United States government, or, or we're basically taking history as the Republicans told it in the 1860s. And this is why my Copperheads class is so important, because it gives you the other side of this. In fact, one of the more important speeches in that class, uh, and it's by a pretty prominent Copperhead, if you were to put his speech side by side with the things that Southerners were saying when the war was over, they're almost the exact same thing. And he made this speech in 1861, in July of 1861, 
and it's it's the lost cause without the end of the war, and of course, Southerners saying it. It's a Northerner saying these things, not a Southerner. And so this is what's amazing to me about this time. What we've done is essentially said, okay, these Republicans were correct in their view of history. These people were not. And so we're going to say that everything in American history is what the Republicans said it was. But of course, there's holes in all of this. What the Republicans were saying was not accurate. The charge that somehow secession was treason was not accurate. Even Thad Stevens, and my next class at McClanahan Academy is going to focus on these Republicans, because I think this is important for somebody to go through their stupidity and point it out. Even Thad Stevens, though, recognized in 1864, in January of 1864, he makes a speech. And Thad Stevens makes a speech saying, look, here's the deal. The South, whether we say it is or not, is out of the Union. It's de facto out of the Union. We're recognizing it because we are waging war against it. So, in other words, um, almost, I mean, he's almost alluding to the fact this is a separate political entity. There's really no treason here anymore. Okay, this, this, you can't call this treason. This is something else. This is war. This is a belligerent power. And others were saying the same thing. Um, one of the other comprehends I talk about in the class, a guy that nobody's really ever heard of before, makes a great speech just a, just a couple of months later, and he says, yeah, I agree with Stevens. We're, we're prosecuting a war against a foreign power now, and why are we doing it? The Union's gone, essentially. Why do we pretend like if we force the South back in the Union, we're going to have the Union the way it was? What we're going to get is the Republican model of the Union and not the real Union. The real Union was destroyed in 1861. We've got a new Union, or as Henry Clay Dean called it, again, I talk about in the class, a new nation, right? So... The transformation of the United States in this period of time was complete. It wasn't just the it wasn't just the uh, the social transformation. Of course, you're going to end slavery, and that's the thing that everyone focuses on. It's what gives the North their entire political and moral cover. Because if slavery is not off the table, and Lincoln was willing in December of 1862 to leave slavery in place, right? If slavery is not off the table then what is the war really about? And there's no moral justification for it. Killing a million men to simply save the Union? What does that mean? What does that mean? Now, there were certainly homicidal maniacs in the North who were willing to do this. And this gets to Arlington House, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But what does this even mean, saving the Union? Why? This just doesn't make any sense. So the whole point of it, you have to have that moral cover. But so social transformation, political transformation, complete. You get the ascendancy of the Republican Party and the complete destruction of any type of, uh, of state powers. Um, now, they come back for a time, and there's kind of an uneasy recognition that the state powers are still there. But in reality, we've created a new nation. You have the economic transformation of the United States, complete economic transformation. The American system of Henry Clay, which is Hamilton's you know, economic system repackaged, becomes ascendant. And that's what we see, for the most part, from the 1860s, 70s, 80s, and with the exception of the Cleveland administration into the 1890s. And then, of course, by the time you get to Wilson, there is a reduction in the tariff in the Wilson administration in the 20th century. But for the most part, we see the ascendancy of the Republican economic program, and we're living in it today. It's neo-mercantilism is what we have central banks, federal regulation, extreme federal regulation of trade, uh, federally funded internal improvements. 
Heck, the general government today, or I guess it was today or yesterday, just passed a bill, or at least there's an agreement upon it, that's going to provide federal funds to create superconductors in the United States. Now, we can all say that's a great thing, but what have we just done? Taxpayers have now just funding tech companies to build superconductors here. So the taxpayers are paying for superconductor construction, and people are getting rich off that. It's cor corporate welfare is what it is. And the same thing with green energy and all this other kind of stuff. That's why Elon Musk is a billionaire. He figured out how to game the system and make money on the federal government early on, about a decade ago, actually more than that now. He figured this out. I remember Tesla, hearing about Tesla back then in the early parts of the Obama administration. And Musk was kind of a, a darling of the left. And he's, cranking, he's making these electric cars, and this is going to be great. He's getting all these federal subsidies and grants and all this kind of stuff. And now, of course, he's a pariah. But the, the funny thing is, I mean, all of this is created by the taxpayers. It's taxpayer-generated wealth for these people. And the same thing's going to happen with superconductors. The same thing was happening in the Lincoln administration. So, I mean, Thad Stevens himself was making money on, on uh, government contracts in his iron foundries. This is all there. It's all for the record. Lincoln, the Lincoln family was making money on the war, but uh, Robert Todd Lincoln burned all the records. So we don't have any direct proof, but Henry Clay Dean makes the accusations in his book. So I find all this fascinating. And then the fact is you've got... That vision, that, that righteous cause myth, right? And this is what it is, becomes ascendant. And then therefore, this is what we have. This is how we have to govern our historic sites. Now, Arlington House is an interesting case. If you don't know the story of Arlington House, again, maybe you're listening to this and you're not from the United States, but Arlington, you've probably heard of Arlington National Cemetery, no matter where you are. Of course, if you are buried with honors now, a lot of uh, soldiers are buried at Arlington National Cemetery. Well, that's Robert E. Lee's land. I mean, that's that's his that was his property. It was his wife's, uh, and when uh, his his wife inherited the estate from her father, who essentially was, um, you know, a, a through an in law or you know for, through marriage was um, related to George Washington, right? So I mean, direct line. In fact. The Custis family, I mean, this was like a shrine to George Washington. There were invaluable Washington objects at this particular property. George Washington Park Custis would put up, um, he would put up like the Washington's tent that he had, and he would put it on the grounds for a while. All this stuff was stolen during the war because what happens is when Virginia secedes, and of course Lee is managing this estate, and uh, when when Virginia secedes, Lee, of course, joins up with the army, and his wife is left behind. And his wife was actually much more funny about Yankees than Lee was. I mean, Lee called them those people. His wife was just vindictive. She is vitriolic when it comes to these people. But um, in letters, she, she hates them. So they come in, and uh, they, they the, the Lees withdraw, right? And they try to hide a bunch of stuff, and they try to keep things out of Union hands. But, of course, the Union army comes in, occupies the place, and they use it as a headquarters. The military is all, you know, mudding around in the house and everything else and destroying stuff, stealing George Washington artifacts because that is theirs, right? This is their, this is their heritage. This is your Union, loyal state heritage. Forget the fact this is, these are family heirlooms, not uh, property of the United States. But regardless, so they steal a whole bunch of stuff. And then you have a guy named Montgomery Meigs. And Montgomery Meigs was a despicable character. He's, he's from Georgia. So he's a Southerner, sort of. His father 
uh, was practiced medicine in in Georgia, and Meigs was a military man. He uh, was he actually you know, worked with with Lee, served with Lee, and Meigs was responsible for building fortifications. He built a whole bunch of them. He actually built Fort Delaware, one of the most infamous Union prisons. He built it. Um, and John Floyd, who was Secretary of War, had banished him at one point. Well, Floyd resigns, and, and, and Meigs comes back to D.C., and he's the guy working behind the scenes with Lincoln on figuring out how to provision Fort Pickens, for example, in Florida in April of 1861. So Meigs was bitter that people like Lee left the Union. He considered them to be traitors, right? I mean, this is the term that he, these people are traitors. And so uh, Meigs devised a way to soil Arlington House. And what happened was, as it was used at Union headquarters, um, Meigs' son was killed in 1864, and Meigs was just ticked. that I mean, He blamed it all on Lee. He blamed the whole thing on Lee. So Meigs decided he was going to take every officer he could get and bury him in Arlington. And not just anywhere at Arlington. He was going to bury him in Mrs. Lee's flower garden, essentially. He was going to put him right out the back door. And um, when one of Lee's relatives came over to the house during the war, he wrote that, well, I mean, the house could be usable again if they would just disinturn these soldiers buried in the backyard. We could use it as a property again. So what did Meigs do? He doubled down. He said, bury more out here. And he kept burying and burying and burying until he knew that the house was not going to be useful anymore to anybody as a home. It was going to have to be a, a place for, uh, for a cemetery. That was it. You couldn't use it. And so it was by design. And in fact, the house was confiscated by the Union Army during the war for, un, for, for not paying their taxes. Now, the Lees actually sued over this. And they won in court. They won in federal court after the war was over. And they were paid $175,000, which was a huge amount of money uh, in that period of time. But a, a huge ransom was paid to the Lees because they couldn't move back in the property. They, they, they won in court that the house was illegally seized and they had possession of it. It should have been, it should have been you know, purchased from the Lees and they didn't do it. And so, uh, but they couldn't live there anymore. So that's why they were paid the money. So if any place in the United States deserves to have Lees name on it, it would be Arlington House. Now what the Democrats are ticked off about is that this somehow glorifies Robert E. Lee, that to have his name there glorifies Lee. And it wasn't until the 1950s that you actually had Lee's name attached to Arlington House. And of course, you think about the 1950s into the 60s. We're in a period of time where we're getting to the centennial of the war. People are thinking about this again. And, and there is an interest in Lee. Now, by at this point, too, you have to understand Robert E. Lee was recognized as an American hero, not just a Southern hero. And you had Northern calendars with Lee's name on it. And Jackson's name, too, in honor of their birthdays. You had you had stamps. You had commemorative coins. You had all kinds of things with Lee on it. Into the 1960s, this was quite common. Actually, into the 1990s, it was, it was not uncommon for Lee to be recognized, north and south, as a great American hero. When I wrote my pig to Real American Heroes in 2012, and I included Lee and Jackson... Um, I was aware that these two guys were going to be on the chopping block at some point. I mean, we're just a few years before Dylan Roof, and there was already you know this kind of pushback against Lee and Jackson at that point, but it's gotten fanatical now, um, and it's it's horrible. So uh, Lee and Jackson are no longer recognized as heroes, as American heroes. They're just traitors, and this is what the bill is all about. It's 
it's Congress uh, asserting the righteous cause myth and codifying it into law. So if you are against, if you are in favor of Lee or Jackson or the Confederacy in any way, whether you're an SCB member or you just have family members that fought for the Confederacy and you honor them, whatever it is, these people are persona non grata. You are now deplorables and you're not allowed around polite people. I mean, you have unacceptable opinions. And so I want to read this piece. It's not long. Um, it's just a couple of minutes. The, the title is uh, Democrats Take Aim at Robert E. Lee's Name on National Monument. And this is by Scott McCaffrey at the Sun-Gazette. Virginia lawmakers of a Democratic bent are tag-teaming to remove the name of Robert E. Lee from the National Park Service's Arlington House. The plantation home owned by Lee through his marriage to Mary Anna Custis Lee has served as the nation's formal memorial to the Confederate general for the better part of a century. Celebrating his military genius as well as Lee's efforts, which some now question, to foster a sense of reconciliation in the five years between the end of the Civil War in 1865 and his death in 1870. In 1955, Congress formally added Lee's name to Arlington House, but a group of Democratic legislators want to rescind the accolade. Quote, If we are serious about ending racial disparities, we need to stop honoring those who fought to protect slavery, said Tenator Tim Scott Kane, who has introduced legislation to remove the name. So Tim, K Tim Kane, the failed uh, VP candidate with Hillary Clinton. If we're serious about ending racial disparities, we need to stop honoring those who fought to protect slavery. Now, who would that be? Now, if we're just going to take this statement for what it is, how many people in America fought to protect slavery? Because, I mean, you could, make, you could make a case that anybody in fighting in any war previous to 1861 had fought to protect slavery. George Washington... Thomas Jefferson, Sam Adams, Ben Franklin. I mean, because they're fighting to protect slavery. The United States is a slave-holding federal republic, even at that point. The War of 1812, the Mexican War. How about those? Were they fighting to protect slavery? I mean, uh, was were, were any of these people doing that? I mean, Abraham Lincoln himself, fighting in the fighting, quote-unquote, in the Black Hawk War, which he really didn't do any fighting, much of anything. But was he not fighting to protect slavery at that point? Because, I mean, heck. These people are fighting for a slave-holding federal republic. And Lee was fighting for a slave-holding federal republic. Even in 1862 or 1863, against, by the way, a slave-holding federal republic. Because in 1863, there were still slave states in the United States. This is the funniest part about all this. Somehow, these people don't get it. Uh, they're creating a false dichotomy of a slave-holding federal republic against a non-slave-holding federal republic, when both... We're slaveholding federal republics. They only one just became a non-slaveholding national government when the war was over. On the other side of the Capitol, similar legislation has been proposed by U.S. Reps Don Beyer, Gerald Connolly, Jennifer Wexton, and uh, and Del Eleanor Delegate Eleanor Holmes Horton. Delegate Eleanor Holmes Horton. 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 Norton. Excuse me. With a number of legislative days ticking down before Congress abandons Washington to campaign for re-election, there might not be enough time on the calendar to get such a measure through the legislative meat grinder. Cynics wonder, might wonder if getting it passed is a real goal anyways. I mean, I think that's... I mean, is, it getting, is getting it past the goal or is something else? Or, um, you know, why do they want to do this? Byer, whose 8th district includes Arlington House, said removing the name would serve as an opportunity to make it clear that we do not revere Confederate leaders. And a not very veiled reference seemed to tie Lee's rebellion with one of much more recent vintage. 
Congress should never approve or celebrate violent insurrection against the United States government, Byers said. You see, here it is. I think that this piece is right. They're trying to make Trump in January 6th the same as the war. And this is all violent insurrection against the U.S. government. Now, I can make a case that what the Democrats are doing is the same as the Republicans are doing in the 1860s, which was not good, by the way. Suppressing free speech, abridging civil liberties, going out of their way to abuse political opponents, to cancel people, to eliminate them. I mean, this is exactly what the Republicans were doing in the 1860s. If, if you disagreed with the Republicans in Congress, they would just try to boot you out. If you said anything that could be seen as dangerous to Republican power, they would just boot you out. And so are the Democrats not trying to do the exact same thing right now? Of course they are. So Beyer um, it just said that this is, uh, we don't, we didn't revere Confederate leaders. Well, I mean, last time I checked, I don't know if anybody in Congress, anyone in Congress would say anything nice about Confederate leaders anymore anyways. I mean, it's just, that's just unacceptable now. Um, it's ridiculous, but it's just unacceptable. And then uh, Congress, as I said, Arlington House has a larger history which deserves memorialization and reflection, he added, and it's Therefore, fitting and just that Congress removes the designation of Arlington House as a memorial to Lee. Um, but this was his house. If anywhere in the United States should have a name with Lee on it, it's this house. He lived there. It was his. This is how stupid this stuff is getting. It was at Arlington House in 1861 that Lee opted to decline command of federal troops ordered, offered him by Abraham Lincoln, instead siding with the nascent Confederacy. As was the case with many in that era, Lee viewed loyalty to his state as having a higher priority than loyalty to the federal government. The phrase United States was considered plural until the war, but was largely viewed as singular thereafter, acknowledging the individual nature of the Union that had been forged over the course of four bloody years. Lee and his family decamped from Arlington House ahead of Union troops that marched from the District of Columbia to occupy the plantation at the outset of hostilities. In an effort to ensure they never made efforts to reclaim their property, federal officials formally seized it, ostensibly for non-payment of property taxes, and began the first of what would be over 150 years uh, with hundreds of thousands of burials at the Arlington National Cemetery. After Lee's death, his heirs sued the federal government over the seizure, an action that in the 1880s was deemed illegal by the United States Supreme Court. Since returning the state was by that point unfeasible, the federal government settled with the family for what at the time was a whopping $175,000. Huge amount of money. Right? So the family sued, said, that's our property, you took it illegally, and they win in court, in federal court. Not state court, they win in federal court. Remarks, Breyer suggested that the general himself might have approved of re removing his name from the Park Service site, as Lee himself opposed <clears throat> erecting Confederate monuments. This is not a monument to the Confederacy, it's a monument to Lee, it's his house. I don't think he would have opposed... Uh, his, I mean, his wife grieved over losing her ancestral home. I don't think he would oppose having his name on that home. That's just stupid. This is just Breyer being stupid. Arlington officials already have exercised the name of Lee from a high school, now Washington Liberty, and a roadway. Now, well, wait a second. Washington. I mean, is that guy not a slave owner? And a roadway, now Langston Boulevard, some activists are pressing those leaders to change the, the county's name, saying Arlington was adopted in 1920 as a piece of Lee Hagography. But, um, so, 
so again, um, is this is the, Arlington? I mean, we we shouldn't even call it that, right? This is this is named after Lee. But unlike the other renamings, that action will require approval by the General Assembly and Governor, who, with a likelihood of close to absolute zero, and probably would have caused would cause many inside and outside the country to reprise the perplexed refrain, "What is up with these people?" When it comes to Arlington leaders' unique take on the world. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, what is up with these people is a good question. What is up with these morons? I mean, we know what they are. They're just stupid. They're just stupid. But the fact is, we've got now the left openly showing their hand here. I mean, we want to, again, it's dissident. This is what this, I talked about this piece in Time Magazine years ago about the Confederate, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, the Maryland State song. It's dissident. These symbols are dissident. They show that people don't have to, don't have to, uh, to do what the general government tells them. It's dissidence, and these people can't stand it. They want you to obey their decrees, their orders, and just live on with it, citizen. You do what we say, and you deal with it. So I find this, again, part and parcel of what's happening. This is part of cancel culture. This is, And look, if anything, if the Republicans had a backbone, they would block every, every bit of this. And they would go on the record blocking it and pointing out how stupid these people really are. But they all think they have the moral high ground here. This is, the, this is the issue. They think they have the moral high ground because their vision of history is the Republican vision of history of the United States from the 1860s. And it's not accurate. I mean, this is, this is the problem. It's not accurate. So, regardless, I thought that this was interesting to bring up and give you the history of Arlington House and what the, what the reptiles in Congress are trying to do um, which is a joke, uh, and, and renaming Arlington House, if, again, if anywhere should be renamed after Lee, it would be that. That was his house. Anywhere in the United States. Uh, but these people don't want anything anymore, anywhere, that has any name that might smack of the Confederacy in some way or another. It's just sad when you think about it because they're essentially erasing a whole portion of the American population. And if you are a descendant from these people... They're saying that you have corruption of blood. I mean, you shouldn't honor these people at all. So uh, it's a really sad commentary on where we are in the United States. But again, part and parcel, the left is showing who they are. I'll see you next week on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. <laughs>